The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Top 25 Under 25 we're coming to the top places right now. We're coming to the top end, and I'm joined by the top end for for uh, eyes on the prize here when it comes to podcasting. And it's Matt Drake. Thank you for joining us, Matt. No problem, man. Thanks as always for having me. And uh, we're going to start with this because obviously we're ranking Matthias Norlinder today, and we're discussing his progress over the years. But Matt, there is something going on. Romanov, you hated him his first year. Norlinder, you hated him his first year. Guli, you hated him the first year as well. What's going on with defenders and your ranking the first year? Well, <laughs> I, I, I got to be perfectly honest with you. I got burned by a few defensemen early on in my time with Habs Eyes in the Prize. I was a super high ranker on two different guys, on Dalton Thrower and on Darren Dietz. And neither of them panned out whatsoever. I was the high ranking on both of those guys for like three years straight because uh, I always valued defensemen more than forwards. But because I got burned by those two guys, I nowadays always temper my expectations when it comes to defensemen. Uh, so I love being proven wrong, right? I, I have no problem. If I rank a guy too low and then he turns out to be great, I will correct that ranking next year. So I've done that with all three of the guys you mentioned, right? Yeah. Uh, like you said, I was I was 17 on Gooley last year. I ranked him a lot higher this year. Uh, same thing with Romanov and, and Norlander, right? You know, I temper my expectations with defensemen. Um, because you know, you, you never really know how they're going to develop. Josh Brook was another guy who, who kind of burned me in the top 25 under 25. Hey, he's still, he's still eligible for the top 25. So, uh, you know, I, he hasn't fully burned me yet, but, uh, again, I, I temper my expectations a little. And then, you know, when I see something surprising, something enticing, yeah, I'll correct that ranking right away. Better be low in the start and, and, and progress ahead down the line and win the, win the, on the home straight. Right. Yeah, I, I won't be able to claim that that I predicted their success, but at least uh, uh, m- maybe I could claim that I'm the reason for their success because they saw my ranking and they got angry about it and started playing better. So uh, let's, I, I like that version of, of events the best. We'll go with that for sure. Uh, we're here to speak about someone that entered the list at number 16 in 2019 when he was uh, just um, drafted by Montreal Canadiens. He was also a second-year draftee. So, obviously, expectations were a bit low. Matthias Norlander, Modo superstar, having drawn comparisons to, to, to Hedman, uh, played with Enstrom, uh, playing with Christian Fulin in Frölunda for, for a few weeks now this year. He's gone around and, and he's, he's already shown pedigree. He's really, really fun to watch, though especially when it comes to, to highlight real stuff in the offensive zone. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got an, I, I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid and I don't think he's putting any pressure on himself, but I think he's got an outside shot because of that offensive ability to maybe make the Canadians out of camp this year. 
I mean, they one thing that they've been missing for the last couple of years is like a good quality puck moving offensive defenseman. And he brings that. Uh, you know better than anybody. I mean, you've followed his career in Sweden so far. That offensive ability is 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 quite enticing. And you know, if he's able to do that and you know show at least a, a modicum of responsibility defensively, I, I think they'll give him a serious look and he might end up getting some games uh, in a Habs uniform this year. Uh, of course, if he doesn't, he, he gets to go right back to Sweden. There's no AHL for him. So, uh, you know, ad, advantage for him, you, no matter what, he's playing uh, high-level pro hockey next year. One thing that really stands out that we have to speak about, we're recording this like two hours ahead of the of the Ottawa game uh, between the rookies this year. But um, you also have to consider this, that Norlander has played, I think it's five or six um, games this year that has already been competitive. He's already played pro league hockey this year. And he comes in with that acumen and, and obviously up to pace already. He's going to be head and shoulders above everyone else in a rookie camp where everyone comes not having played hockey, more or less. Yeah, not having played uh, any of the guys that were in you know any of the Canadian junior leagues last year. If they played at all, they barely played. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And then a the full summer of that. Games, yeah, and then a full summer on top of that afterwards. So yeah, if, if anything, this is his chance, right? Because he's going to be in way better shape than everybody else uh, with those games under his belt. Like I said, he's, he's going to have a legitimate shot. They're going to give him a real look. And he'll probably, I, I would assume, you know, in, in, unless we see something wildly bad out of him during the rookie games, uh, I, I would assume he gets invited to the, the full Montreal Canadiens camp as well. It's my belief that he's going to go to camp, that's for sure. Like the full camp, not just a rookie camp. I'm, 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 I'm sure of that. Um, the question is how long he stays there. For me, that is the main question. He's probably going to mm-hmm. get one or two games uh, with the, the uh, what do you call the blue squad or the red squad or, and, and facing some of the other NHL squads because that's how you're going to make the decision if he stays or goes. But, but it, it really seems to me that there are two... Two things that, that stands out to me, because I hadn't seen him more or less for a year. And, and when I met him just a few weeks ago, he is fit. Like, literally, he has muscles where he, beforehand, before he arrived to Fronda, had baby fat. Uh, not, not nice to say about someone that is 17, 18, <laughs> but, but it looked like that. Now he's, he's, um, he's chiseled is probably the right word. He, he looks really, really sharp. And uh, you can go back and listen to some of the dispatches that I've done with the Christian Foline and, and other uh, Toby Enstrom and everyone that has played with him has said he's going to be an NHLer. So I'm, I have no doubt of him becoming an NHLer either. Um, the question is, as you mentioned, the, the defensive game that, that Norlinder carries. And I mentioned it on, on uh, TSN for, for, as an example, I mentioned it uh, in our podcasts and I've written about it, but he will get to, to at least once a game, he makes an astonishing brain fart where you don't really know what was going through his head at the time and, and how it could happen that way. It doesn't matter if it's six nil or, or you're, you're down to one and chasing the game. He will make one mistake every game. Um, he might be asked to play a little bit high in Frölunda but I also think that they haven't really utilized him properly except for short time periods where he got him to play with a defensive-minded defender. 
obviously that is something that Montreal has in stock. So mm-hmm. you, you can you can benefit from that. But yeah, I, I think it, it is his defensive acumen that is going to stand out, and that is one going to what will make his his do or die here in in, in the Montreal Canadiens this year. Because next year he will be over, and and next year I'm if he doesn't get the jersey this year, he will get it next year. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I think that's his worst case scenario is next year. And like you said, I mean, making an astonishing mistake once a game is it's not good, right? It's it's not what you want to hear out of a defensive player. But like you said, Montreal has a lot of different uh, defensively minded defensemen that they could potentially pair him with. Like, let's say he cracks the roster. Let's say those offensive skills are enough for Dominique Charme to go. All right, I, w- I want this guy on my roster and we're, we're going to keep him here in Montreal. We're not sending him back to Sweden. What if they put him out there with David Savard on the right side? he can afford to make some mistakes with a guy like David Savard on his right, because you know that that guy's going to be back there to back him up. Yes. It's not ideal, of course, to be making those mistakes, but you know, you learn, you grow. Uh, He'd be getting the opportunity to have somebody on his other side uh, flanking him that is capable of covering up those mistakes that has a mind for covering up those mistakes. So uh, I think over time, you know, playing games in the NHL, he'll, he'll, he'll learn how to avoid making those mistakes in the first place. Uh, but like you said, we have an option. We have multiple options of people that we could put with them uh, that can help mitigate those mistakes if and when they happen. So uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, those offensive skills, those are probably what get him on the team. And then we, we try to figure out how to work around the, the defensive aspects as well uh, once he's there. And you have to, re- unfortunately, because this is a little bit of a meta situation again, where you could have thought that, Shea Weber would have been the best pairing because he would have been that stable yeah. big guy to cover for for that little rookie uh, coming into the NHL and getting the experience and learning from from Shea Weber as well uh, because it definitely seems like Shea Weber isn't going to be in camp this year. No, Weber. I mean, we still haven't really gotten any news about that, but it seems very likely that he's headed for retirement. So I I, I think. At the very least, they should not expect him to play this year. Uh, if not, he retires completely and he's not playing anymore at all. At the end of the day, he's not going to be available as somebody that they could put with Norlander. But, you know, we got other options, right? You could look at maybe putting him with Sherratt. You could, I mean, Sherratt shoots left as well, which is kind of a problem in terms of, uh, you know, trying to get a left and a right shot together. But uh, it would be something that you could do. You could put him with, uh, I'd love to see him during the rookie camp. I'd love to see him skating with Caden Gooley. Well, I that think is that would what be an has been happening, pairing. hasn't it? That's that's the pairing that has been showcased, and and that is probably the pairing we're going to see tonight when we're looking at, or or in in the case of you yeah. listening to this on Sunday, what we saw last night, because that's how it goes, uh, and and it, it makes a complete sense. Norlander is used as well to play on his offside, so there shouldn't really be any problems in that regard. He he mixes and matches. Uh, one thing um, that stands out, and we mentioned it, is the power play. And I spoke with Ryan Lash, who who designed the Frölunda play, as I've called it, that Vancouver used against Montreal uh, to great effect last year. And Montreal then tried to use as well against Vancouver. Um, <laughs> but but also, um, he points out to something that I think is really, really interesting. And it's that he has the skates with his heel towards each other and the, point, the toes pointing outwards almost like in a line, in a linear way. And he can generate a lot of, of traction, a lot of acceleration and, and speed out of that position, which is something that not many uh, defenders or, or players can do. 
and it throws off the the power play for or box play forwards the the penalty kill forwards those um are being thrown off and it generates not only speed and, and movement uh, that that Norlander can use it also facilitates gaps for shots and and, and passing lanes and that has been mm-hmm. extremely valuable for Frelanda in, in in the Champions Hockey League where we saw Norlander use this to deadly effect and, and even bring out his really really good shot a slapper that is that is really really strong and something that obviously also needs to be replaced in in Montreal as Shea Weber has has uh, or it seems to be going for retirement, as you mentioned, Matt. Um, I have never, I, I, there's very few people, I cannot remember on, on like directly on, with my mind, anyone I've seen use this play to that degree. And, and this is something that, again, will benefit Norlander in his chances to make the NHL because the power play has not been very good. And if you can line up someone that can generate movement with players like Suzuki and Caulfield, there might be happening something in the other sun, uh, other net, right? A hundred percent like that. And you hit the nail on the head mentioning Caulfield too. Like think about it. If you're generating that kind of movement with your legs and opening up those passing lanes, you're opening up the shot of Cole Caulfield, right? So there's multiple threats going on there. And now Montreal also has uh, Mike Hoffman, right? And we, we still have Tyler Toffoli. So we got three, you know, relatively high level shooters. Uh, I think, Hoffman and Caulfield probably a little bit higher than Toffoli, uh, but three very high level shooters overall uh, that could be in the power play as well. So if you have a defenseman that's able to, you know, move around, uh, get some of those penalty killers off their positions and, you know, have a good shot of his own as well, it's going to add a whole new dynamic. And you're, you're right. Habs power play was pretty brutal for most of the year. It got better towards the end of the year. Uh, a lot of that thanks to having that Cole Caulfield weapon, but having as well, a defenseman that can step up, has a good shot, and also moves very well, right? We know Shea Weber was a big threat from the blue line for the Habs, but the problem with Shea Weber was always that it was too obvious when they were going to him, and he didn't necessarily have the mobility to be able to open things up for himself. So he needed the passing plays to open him up. Norlander doesn't need that. Norlander can open up his own space with his legs, which is super interesting dynamic, and you know the Habs probably are going to be foaming at the mouth to get that on their power play. Uh, and again, another good reason why he might get a serious look from the coaching staff to maybe make this team out of camp. And uh, Ramash said the other day that, uh, you know, it's Sweden or, or, or NHL. We know that we've spoken mm-hmm. on the pod for about a year ago or, or for a year since he stayed uh, signed with Prelanda. But also he said, you know, they can keep him in the NHL for as long as they want. Uh, I don't foresee them putting him on the NHL team to, to eat hot dogs in the, in the Bell Center press center, you know, uh, no. he's, he either he's staying to play or he goes back to Sweden. It's not going to be, Oh, we play him every third game or something like that, because that's not going to generate, you know, the development of Matthias Norlinder that, that Montreal would look for in that case. No. And that would honestly, even if they tried that, it would be infuriating. Right. The last thing that you need to do is take a young defenseman and stick him in the press box to eat smoked meat sandwiches. Right. He, he needs to be playing one way or another. Uh, like you said, there are some defensive deficiencies that he needs to work on, and he either needs to work those out in the NHL or in Sweden. So you need him playing games. If you keep him, you got to play him. And if you're not keeping him, then send him back to Sweden. Let him go to Fralunda. Uh, we know from multiple players that have come through the Montreal Canadiens organization and elsewhere in the NHL 
uh, that Forlunda is an excellent hockey program, right? Look at the guy who uh, scored the goal that sent the Habs to the Stanley <laughs> Cup final last year, Arturi Lekin. And where I'm did he come from? I'm surprised he can well, still talk, talk after that goal. Yeah. I mean, it's a great program. So why not? If, if, like, if they're going to put him on the team, they have to make sure he's playing, right? Absolutely. You got to let him in. And like you said, not once every three games, not once every other game. Uh, it has to, he has to be a regular roster player. Otherwise, send him back to Sweden. Because you already you have, have that, that kind of player as well with Romanov. Romanov, that, that uh, you sort of did that with last year, which was yeah. understandable because there were obviously cap reasons and, and stuff like that going on as well. But if you have two of them, young defenders that needs play time, um, then then you you sort of hamper both their development. Yeah, and I mean, you, it, it is a full eighty-two game season this year, so you could give them a couple nights off here and there to to either one of them, right? But the the point being, like, don't have them just riding the press box night after night after night, uh, and then slide them in there once in a while. Uh, to see what they can do, right? I think both of those guys need playing time. Um, I think Romanov has, you know, w- the way he played in the games that he did get into for the playoffs last year, I think he's earned his spot uh, that he should be able to get a little bit more playing time this season. And, and Norlander, uh, he's he's new, right? He's coming into, you know, what should be his, if he makes a team, his rookie season in the NHL. Don't do the same things with him because now you have a regular 82-game season, Right. So you're not going to have that taxi squad ability, send him up, send him down like you were doing with Romanov last year. Uh, it's it, it's got to be he's there and let him get the reps in that he needs in order to get better. Indeed, and uh, you have to realize, I have always said that Romanov and, and, and Norlinder would be a great pairing uh, because Normanov, uh, Romanov was that kind of player that Norlinder needs in, in Seska. He was the, the stay-at-home guy. He... he <laughs> As soon as the pack got over the red line uh, into the offensive end of the ice, he changed with Nesterov, obviously. But but in a way, he took that depth. He covered that bit. What we saw in World Juniors, I'm not sure that going to translate very well into the World Junior uh, into the NHL. But on the other hand, p- play him with one of those defend, uh, defenders that will go up up the ice, that will play the puck. That, that wants to generate that offense and, and use Romanov's fantastic skating along with someone else's fantastic skating to, to generate a pairing for the future. That's what I always said, but uh, we'll see if Ducharme thinks the same way as I do. Uh, probably not because I'm not hired by Montreal Canadiens. Um, we have listened to Matt Drake take on Matthias Norlinder in his defense of his atrocious, atrocious 27th ranking on the 29th being top 25 under 25. We said just actually before we got on Matt that it's so fantastic to see the interaction between um, people that have seen some of these players play and others that want to learn about that in the comment section every year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players in the rankings that people don't necessarily know about. And I think, you know, when I ranked Norlander 27th, I think the problem was I just didn't know enough about it, right? Uh, luckily for us at Eyes on the Prize, we got guys like you that actually follow the European prospects, keep us updated on them so we get to see a little bit more of them, right? I mean, uh, there was... Yeah, but we have that my, we have that in the comments section with people that goes to the queue, with the people that goes to the OHL. Yeah. And, and, and I think the community as a whole really benefits from this exercise in many ways. 
Absolutely. Because we, we all get to take a look at some players that we weren't necessarily focusing on before, especially if you're trying to do a ranking for all of the prospects. If you're going all the way into the 40s in terms of how many people you're ranking, uh, you're, you're taking a look at some people that you don't necessarily know about. So you got to ask around. Uh, you got to leverage any of the contacts that you have and yeah, leverage even the comment section to try and figure out, uh, you know, what do I not know about this guy, right? What, what made him interesting enough for the Montreal Canadiens to take a flyer on him in, in whatever round they picked him. Uh, it's, it's, it's always interesting. It's always a fun time. Take a look at some, uh, some random prospects that you weren't even thinking of before. You heard Matt Drake. You can follow him on Twitter, Drake MT. Follow him there. He's a great guy. He's uh, one of the guys that actually got me into eyes on the price. So uh, please give him a follow if you don't already do. Uh, his follow count seems a bit low, so you better hike it up a bit. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, Matt. It's always incredible to have you on the pod. Thank you. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.